Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Well, this is a bit of an impromptu episode because, well, after publishing the long-form one, I was supposed to rest for a bit and um, went on a bit of a camping trip uh, on one of our, you know, biggest lakes in Lafayette. In which, by the way, I found out that a um, city in Lafayette called Sayasis apparently has two districts, named in the 90s, when the city grew, thanks to United States investments, and those two districts are, well, the new ones are Florida and Louisiana. Which I find funny, but, well, the more you know. At any rate, I had to come back home a bit early, since, uh, apparently due to a technical error, since, well, ACOST apparently inserts ads in the end of episodes, and then it changes up in our feed, and they managed to cut out about a minute and a half of our long-form episode, but that's been fixed now. But I thought, well, if I'm coming home early, and I'm going to do work to, well, wish you happiness is mandatory at the very end of the long for one, you know, just check it out. Uh, just I just re-upload this, all this stuff, and, you know, the last minute and 30 seconds or so are back in, just to make everything proper. I just thought, well, it's been 150 days of the war, and might as well talk about about stuff that's, um, well, that I'll, that I'll probably mention in other news episodes and, and everything else, but, uh, well, some of the things that probably don't have much of a place anywhere. First of all, I'd like to talk about a fake that has been spreading on the pro-Ukrainian side. And that ties into the second part, too, as well, because, well, I've heard on, you know, I've, I saw on Twitter and I heard on some Western media some news that in Kherson Oblast, you know, in Kherson where the counterattack is about to happen, that's near Crimea, that Ukrainians had in Volgodovskaya managed to encircle about 2,000 Russian troops. The problem is I've, uh, well, seen Volgodovskaya. And, uh, you know, the maps that they provided with the supposed location of the Russian troops, yeah, that's like a small, you know, it's it's th- those city blocks are super tiny. If you look at the images posted on Twitter, and if you kind of even compare them with satellite images of the same area, then if you look at this and ask yourself, well, where did those 2,000 troops can even be there to be encircled? 
Well, then you understand that those 2,000 troops, and I'm talking without vehicles, like we just ignore any vehicles that they might, these guys might have had, then they would have to be like stuck like sardines in a tin can without no breathing space whatsoever, not even like an inch between them or something. And then I dug deeper through this and I found out that uh, in one of my own sources, because yeah, again, no no people of my side, you know, none, none of them that I had contacts with had confirmed this. And it turns out that a Ukrainian strategy blogger had posted the fact that there were fights in this in this village and that there was a, a possible encirclement about to happen. And he posted a map about these troops look to be soon encircled because they weren't truly encircled and it was a much bigger area and there were some troops there but nowhere near 2,000. The real numbers are about 30 to 50, by the way, in this one specific village point, which you can see in this 2,000 troops encircled map. Sadly, it's not as great, but, you know, we um, you have to be honest here because... You know, I like to speak about Ukrainian victories, but this is just not, not it. And then this was reposted by another kind of more popular pro-Ukrainian Twitter user with a bit more stuff added in, and then a Ukrainian news site, not, the, not one of the big prestigious ones, but a Ukrainian news site reposted that, and then one of the Western kind of Twitter users grabbed info from there without confirming it, and every time all of this grew, so it all started out with about 30 to 50 Russian troops are being about to be encircled in this area, which is a success for Ukraine, because, you know, it shows that they've started their counter-operations, and it turned out to people just saying things like, 2,000 Russian troops captured, and, 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 you know, requesting green corridors and all that one, and... It was blown up mostly by uh, by people who don't speak Russian, because you know the people in the third and fourth steps of this Twitter chain, well, they they were respectable sources, but uh, well, yeah, I just got suspicious because you know I've seen that place with my own eyes, and uh, well, if you look at the map that they provide as proof of those two thousand soldiers, and you've been there, and even if you haven't, even if you just check the satellite images, you understand that on the little spot, which is the supposed encirclement. There is no chance whatsoever of any Russian troops being there. I'm just saying that, sure, we should support Ukraine, but um, let's not get over our heads and, you know, celebrate real victories, because this is the kind of thing that pro-Russian side might definitely use to say that we are lying. You gotta be careful with this part. And secondly, this is how I come to the fact that a lot of you guys have recommended me listening to this Institute of War, uh, they, they, they've been guests on some podcasts as well, and I've quoted them once on my show as well. I didn't, really didn't know who they were, because I mostly work with Russian sources. But um, th- then I spoke with some people and watched some interviews, and and I use, counter- I use Conflict Intelligence Group mostly. It's a Russian uh, Russian group that work with Michael Naki, and, and uh, they also work with Navalny's team. And they're a dedicated, specifically, conflict group who've also worked with other conflicts and they've actually proven, you know, they've provided evidence for The Hague and they're a serious bunch of people. Like, they don't believe anyone in the sense that they they know that some, you know, some things are more believable than others, but they work with everything that can be completely documented. I trust these guys. They've been proven correct all the time and they give, you know, these accounts about the happenings. And they spoke about this this um this institute of war research which is also kind of popularized and um, 
what what really stunned me because you know what I why I got wary is that a person on on Twitter posted that in some interview uh, some some person from this institute so-called institute they've been stating that Putin is likely to invade the Baltic states because of resources and whatever and that man and that you know he has a lot of vehicles and unless we ruin their manpower then it's going to be an issue because you know and this is just struck me as odd because specifically there's enough metal for the russian side there's a lot of metal metal is not the problem manpower and ammo are the problems and good metal is but at this point Igor Girkin and other these true russians if you've listened to my last long episode then you know who they are they're complaining about all these all these people who kind of you know who are refusing this basically they 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 cut down on their contracts and and you know on paper they have many battalions but a lot of those battalions are basically nothing but you know glorified squads stuff like that and 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 all this stuff is happening manpower and the numbers are in many in a huge def- deficit and if these guys from the institute of research of war are mentioning this that only lack of manpower can stop putin and they really push that this idea you know then seems kind of weird that they call themselves an institute and then I looked up on this, and this is also what the conflict intelligence team, well, basically stated publicly, is that this Institute for Research of War is not a real institute. They're basically a news aggregator. They pick up stuff from other sources, and then they republish it, and they have some tiny research stuff on their own, but they're not a research institute in the classical sense. And I mean, I'm pretty sure that they don't pick up me, for one, and although I'm not a massive podcaster, say, Dan Carlin... I have grown pretty huge by these days. I mean, people who are interested in this war, they, they do listen to me. I'm not popular with, like, 20-year-olds who don't care about politics or war. Not among that public. But I'm for certain sure that if you follow the Ukrainian war and if you, you know, and you're interested, actually interested in Eastern European affairs, then you've at least probably heard of me, at least, you know, in the United States. That much I know, which is pretty good. And as a proof of this, I can, well, you know, I, I mentioned that... I'll be going to the United States, and I'll be visiting there on the 5th of August, and I'll be staying there until 19th of August. And I'll be entering with with, uh, with my girlfriend in, in New York City, and then we're going to go to, uh, we're going to try to go to Niagara Falls, and then Maine, and then Washington, D.C., and then we're going to visit Philly, basically kind of an East Coast trip. And at this point, it kind of looks like that we'll be having a, you know, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be speaking at least in between some acts, because it's a, mostly a music and culture place, I don't know yet. I'm I'm gonna talk with a guy tomorrow, but he says that I have a venue where in New York, I'll be doing a speaking thing, either alone or between the acts about my experiences in Ukraine. I will be kind of talking about the podcast, about Eastern Europe, about Russia, all this stuff. Well, basically, I have a venue, so that is pretty good. I mean, for a Latvian guy to get a venue to speak of in some, you know, I guess it's a pub or or a club i don't know i'll find out tomorrow 9 30 a.m my time but that's confirmed i'll let you know because if you're in new york or east coast you might want to visit and you know come see me we'll be raising money for charity we're going to do a fundraiser there and secondly i will be also interviewed on the newsline podcast which is apparently a washington dc show which is a pretty big one which is apparently as as i was being told uh you know favored by people who are in the congress and stuff i was invited to speak there and we're going to collaborate and we wanted to do a zoom thing but then they found out that i'll be in that in washington dc and and so yeah 
But basically, I, on the 5th, I arrive in New York, and then we'll see where it goes from there, because it's going to be jet-laggy, and we have to plan things out a bit, but I hope to, well, basically meet as much of you as humanly possible, because I'll, I'll need to crash on your couch. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'll need to crash on your couches. Well, basically, if you have a spare room, let me and my girlfriend stay there for, for a night or two. Then we'll move and meet, meet someone else. It's just that so that we can, in these two weeks on the East Coast, experience as much of American culture as possible. And thank you. I've read all your messages, and a lot of you have messaged me already about this. But, you know, let's just keep in touch, because right now it's a busy time. Now, I'll obviously, be taking my laptop with me to record. But, you know, all this stuff. Oh, in this, all I'm saying is that if you call yourself an expert of the field and you present yourself as a supreme authority, then at least through second-hand means, even if you haven't listened to a single episode of my show, then you probably know of it, because uh, also on Twitter, um, well, if you look at the people also who follow me, they're also Cold War experts, I've been followed by a lot of historians, like, I'm not huge, but I know that I'm not also unknown. And it takes a lot of effort and mental stress to be in this position, but this is the point where I have to state that if your center doesn't even, you know, listen to any of the... Ba if your center doesn't even talk about the basic facts and basic information coming from the Russian side in this conflict, from the sources that I have, because apparently you don't really use those, you know, Russian side sources, and neither do you even check on my show with all the sources in English, then that costs suspicion. Secondly, if you mention an obvious mistake, which could be fixed by just, you know, it's a common misconception about the Russian manpower, but I know the real situation there because it's updated, then it's also weird. It's just that I'm not saying the Institute of Research for War is really, you know, bad, but I'm just extremely suspicious of them. Like, I, I, I would, personally, I would just double-check everything. I have to dig in more and listen to them more. Maybe it's just a bad time, because, you know, I'm not dissing on them. It's just that... Well, they don't really strike me as super believable, super honest, like on the first glance like that. I mean, because, sure, those are kind of dis uh, the discrepancies that I mentioned there and the fact that they don't, you know, they don't even use the same sources as, as I do. And I know that a lot of people have the same sources and, you know, they use them in their work. Uh, if you've listened enough, long enough on the show, then you know what kind of people I'm talking about. And thank you for your service, people who listen to the show and use these things. But um, just seems kind of weird, kind of off. I'll, I'll be listening on them, but just because the Institute of Research for War says something doesn't mean it's exactly true, because they're also skipping a bunch of context, just, just for now. Like, that's one source that I'll be looking at with suspicion. And finally, 
in the next news episode, I was about to talk about how, um, how basically, how deal was struck between Ukraine and Russia about the grain exports. Like, Shoigu went there. Because it's a weird, it's a thing that was, it's, it's not exactly a deal between Ukraine and Russia, it was more like, Russia strikes a deal with Turkey and United Nations, and then a mirror deal is struck with Turkey and United Nations by Ukraine about how the ports are going to be, you know, some parts of them are going to be unmined, and how the grain will be exported there, and how Russia will inspect every ship that goes to Ukraine with a committee, and all this nice stuff. And the problem is that deal is uh, under a lot of pressure now since, well, as I was away, Russia didn't even wait 24 hours. Instead, they just, well, not after 24 hours, they just use their caliber rocket systems to just barrage the port of Odessa. So, once again, proving that, um, that, you know, people who, like Noam Chomsky, who also made a nice little speech there about some negotiation thing, that any settlement that does not involve some sort of position of strength is just disregarded, because, you know, they strike a deal that didn't even wait, wait 24 hours, just rip it to shreds. Silly. But again, Noam Chomsky should be, you know, staying to linguistics because, you know, I studied him in university because he's a brilliant linguist and part of my course is, you know, obviously philosophy. So, so that's that's a weird thing. But why is he so super pro-Russia and why does he even believe that, you know, people... Be, 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 like, he states that in the United States you can't hear the other side's opinion. Like, I'm a living proof that you can because I'm giving you the other side's opinion. I mean, on what other side are these true Russians whose statements about the war I translate and I work on all the time? You can hear the opinion of the other side through my show. Again, it's just a factual thing. It's just bizarre. I don't know what the old, old Noam Chomsky is doing. Just weird. But yeah, there's not going to be much about the deal in the next one until, you know... Because I don't think Ukraine's going to be sending any grain because with this rocket strike uh, that, that Russia just did... They just kind of destroy the whole deal, which is pretty sad. But yeah, we're waiting through this night through the front from news from Kherson. But um, not about this Ukrainian counterattack. I think Kherson might not exactly be the right moment because Girkin and a lot of military analysts have stated that if a counterattack would start, that it wouldn't be just in the south. It would be wise for Ukraine to try to even push the front, maybe even, you know, go a tiny bit inside Russian territory. Why not? And um, and just counterattack in other places. It, it seems weird, but there's a lot of opinions. I think this counterattack, when it actually starts, might be in a bigger kind of position. And the operational pause on Russian side, I think, is still not over yet. Because for one, Shoigu is just traveling across the world, which again, you got good can make fun of. And secondly, their ammo dumps have, are being blown up. And I will personally believe that the operational pause will be over when I'll get reports that from the nearby army base in Rostov district, where the new troops, the new reserves that are supposed to fool the reserves, you know, fool the, the losses back on Russian side, when these guys get, get out from training, then I'll believe the Russian kind of this operational pause is over. Because also, uh, it's not only that Russians have manpower issues because of the people who refuse to fight when they break up their contracts, it's also that in the beginning of the war, no one really thought that this war would last so long. And, if you remember, they used force and intimidation and threats to force people like, you know, Prizivniki conscripts to sign contracts. But they were, they were short-term cons contracts because, you know, no one would sign up for a year if you've been, you know, 
basically you know, if you have to go and serve the army for a year then you you know they they're offered three months contracts the war's been going on for five months now and that means well those contracts are over and there is no law and not even a moral right for the russian side to keep those contracts going so that's another issue that, they, that they've been doing but to finish all this off because with all these tiny little news and why i'm suspicious of institute of war is the fact that ramzan kadyrov our favorite totally mad lad uh, utter idiot Chechen dictator is now stating that um, <clears throat> Europe is forcing Russia to move on to a full-scale war. Apparently, Europe's doing that. At the same time, Ramzan Kadyrov is asking for Chechnya to, uh, well, to have some anti-air or missiles because he's scared. He's losing his pants over HIMARS. And secondly, well, if you follow what he's been saying before. This second phase, which ended up with, you know, Russians taking some minor cities and all this stuff. Um, yeah, that was supposed to be the effective one. And it's a mess. I personally believe that this will be solved with a military victory of Ukraine. I believe in victory of Ukraine. And not just because I want them to win. It's just because the more I read the other side of these people who have ties and things. Well, you know, kind of seems more likely. And that's another thing. Why are these pro-Russian guys wanting to do these negotiations now? Like our friend Noam Chomsky. Maybe because... Sorry. It's <laughs> Maybe it's because um, Russia is not faring so well. And they're trying to make the best deal. Well, they still can. At any rate, that's it for today. Let me remind you that the last minute and 30 seconds of the previous episode is available right now. Remember, happiness is mandatory. As usual. And, of course, please follow me on Twitter at Eastern underscore Border, or you can follow me on Facebook. I don't use that that often because I, well, get reported often by trolls, but still, I post all the episodes there as well. It's just Eastern Border. Look it up there. And consider becoming our patron on patreon.com slash Eastern Border. Or, if you want to listen to this episode without ads, then you can go to theeasternborder.lv. You know, links also on the Twitter. And you can listen to the episode without ads. We would greatly appreciate your one-time donations as well, which you can also do through the site or through support.acost if you're listening through the Acost app. I don't know how Acost does this because they post me on Stitcher and everywhere, and but, but they apparently do. So we'll be thankful for that because there's a long road ahead of us. I have plans. My arm is finally well enough that I can actually hold the microphone with my left arm. And not lose it. And uh, as you can hear, I am no longer as sad. My tooth are going to be removed on Tuesday, though. It's going to be fun. But, um, yeah. I wanted to also say, say a special thank you to all of you. Because a lot of you, including Dan Carlin and Alexander from, from History Impossible. You guys told me to go and see therapy. And a lot of you guys, listeners, also, also told me to do that. And I did. And this is great, and, and thank you for that. It, it's actually been really helpful to me, and as you can hear, I'm much more alive than I was before. You, you, you guys are the best, and I appreciate each and every one of you comrades. And if I don't respond to you on some Patreon messages or some emails or something, it's just because I have a lot of work, and I haven't seen the notification maybe, I try to respond to everyone. I really, really do. It's just that sometimes it's just I, I read a message, and then there's like five more, and I can't really do this. But I apologize for that. It's not because I don't want to, it's just because there's a lot of work to be done and our team is basically me 
And then there's Annette, who edits stuff when she can. And and, and there's then there's Calves, and, and that's it. And Calves just helps with some managerial stuff. It's a lot of work for a super tiny team. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll get better. But like I said, happiness is mandatory. Do svidanje, tvarish. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.